Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. The messages to the seven churches. There will also be a response after each reading and it will be on the screen here behind us. Are we ready? All right, here we go. Write this to the angel of the church of Ephesus. These are the words of the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your endurance. I also know that you don't put up with those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles but are not. You have shown endurance and put up with a lot for my name's sake, and you haven't gotten tired. But I have this against you. You have let go of the love you had at first. Change your hearts and lives and do the things you did at first. If you don't, I'm coming to you. But if you have this in your favor, you hate the Nicolaitans are doing, which I also hate. Then let us say together, if you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write this to the angel of the church in Smyrna. These are the words of the one who lived on the last, who died and came back to life. I know your hardship and poverty, though you are actually rich. I also know the hurtful things that have been spoken about you by those who say they are Jews. Don't be afraid of what you are going to suffer. Look, the devil is going to throw some of you into prison in order to test you. You will suffer hardship for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. If you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the angel of the church in Pergamum. These are the words of the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you are living right where Satan's throne is. You're holding on to my name and you didn't break faith with me. But I have a few things against you. Because you have some there who follow Balaam's teaching, and the same way you have some who follow the Nicolaitans' teaching. So change your hearts and lives. If you don't, I am coming to you soon. Altogether, if you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write this to the angel of the church in Thyatria. Yep, sure. Um, these are the words of God's Son, whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine brass. I know your works, your love and your faithfulness, your service and endurance. I also know that the works you have done most recently are even greater than those you did at first. But I have this against you. You put up with that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. As for the rest of you in Thyatira, those of you who don't follow this teaching and haven't learned the so-called deep secrets of Satan, I won't burden you with anything else. 
just hold on to what you have until I come. Let's say together. If you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write this to the angel of the church in Sardis. These are the words of the one who holds God's seven spirits and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, and you are in fact dead. Wake up and strengthen whatever you have left, teetering on the brink of death. For I have found that your works are far from complete in the eyes of my God. So remember what you have received and heard. Hold on to it and change your hearts and lives. If you don't wake up, I will come like a thief, and you won't know what time I will come upon you. But you do have a few people in Sardis who haven't stained their clothing. They will walk with me clothed in white because they are worthy. Altogether, if you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write this to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. These are the words of the one who is holy and true, who has a key of David. Whatever he opens, no one will shut, and whatever he shuts, no one will open. I know your works. Look, I've set in front of you an open door that no one can shut. You have so little power, and yet you have kept my word and haven't denied my name. Because you've kept my command to endure, I will keep you safe through the time of testing that is about to come over the whole world to test those who live on earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. And together, if you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Write this to the angel of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness the ruler of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. After all, you say, I'm rich and I've grown wealthy and I don't need a thing. You don't realize that you are miserable, pathetic, poor, blind, and naked. I correct and discipline those whom I love. So be earnest and change your hearts and lives. Look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to be with them. Together, please. If you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hey, can we hear it for those seven readers? That was pretty awesome. And I, uh, just readers, I remember what I was going to tell you. I kept saying there's one more thing. It was if you don't know a word, to say it with confidence, and you'll be fine. Every, nobody will know that you don't know how to pronounce it. That's, that's my whole uh, career, just say it with confidence. <laughs> so my name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here, and uh, it's really good to have you here today. Uh, we're going to begin... Uh, before, I, I want to say thank you to Lizette, and um, there's a couple people who have gone through this um, Just Financials. I saw Jen and Leslie. You guys have been through it. Who else? Anybody else in this? Okay. First service had others. If you're interested, uh, talk to either of them, and they'll be happy to talk to you about this small group that UBC is hosting downtown on Thursday nights. Um, is that everything? Yes. Okay. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, Open our ears to the reading of the scripture. I want to name and know that revelation is scary for people because we don't always understand it. But as we sit in your word today, let us sit in the mystery and in the call of who you are and what you are calling us to. 
open my mouth that the ways that I speak might honor you, might glorify you, and might call us to a deeper sense of discipleship in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a city called Atlanta, I, I began my Starbucks career. Um, I started working at this store and was quickly promoted after about six months to shift supervisor, and soon the store manager I was working with said that I should think about growing with the company. That's a term, I don't know if all companies use that or just Starbucks, but growing with the company, um, and that I could maybe be an assistant store manager and then get promoted to store manager soon. And uh, I looked around and found that I enjoyed Starbucks, and in many ways it was living into uh, this uh, vision that I saw for the church around hospitality and welcome that I didn't always see lived out in the current church. And so I thought maybe I did want to grow with the company. So uh, I decided to use all of my gifts and skills that I thought I was going to use for ordained ministry in the ministry of Starbucks, or St. Arbucks, as some people call it. (laughs) Now, if I had stayed in Atlanta, I probably could have gotten promoted soon, but we had decided to move to Chicago, so I needed to find a new store here. Um, I decided to look all over the Lincoln Park area, because that seemed really far from downtown, Um, because I didn't know Chicago. So I looked all over the Lincoln Park area, walked into every store to say, hey, I'm a shift supervisor, do you need one? And everybody said, no, we don't. And then they kind of, with a little bit of weariness in their voice said, but I hear that 444 North Michigan Avenue is looking for a supervisor. And then that's all they would say. (laughs) And so I decided, well, I guess I need to go check out 444 North Michigan Avenue and see what, what the apprehension in their voice was about. Uh, so I walked in, and I, I soon understood it was overwhelmingly busy. Um, chaos would be a word that I would use to describe it. Hell might be another word I would use to describe it. Um, and I realized why they needed supervisors, because anybody that worked there probably wouldn't work there long, uh, because they would quit. <laughs> Uh, so, but I was desperate for a job, and so I talked to the store manager. Her name was uh, Lupita, and she, uh, I must have made a good impression, or she was just really desperate, but she said that right on the spot that I could work there. So, um, went home to Atlanta, moved, started working at Starbucks, and after a couple of weeks at 444 North Michigan Avenue, I was drowning I was absolutely overwhelmed by the store, and I felt like I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And it was for a couple of reasons. One was I was having a really hard time adjusting to the 4.30 a.m. start time. Um, In Atlanta, I guess because we were on Eastern time, we didn't start till 5.30 a.m., and man, that hour made a huge difference. So that was hard. Um, The other thing that was hard is that... um, So I had worked at a a drive-through store at Starbucks, so I was used to multitasking, But uh, this store just took multitasking to a whole new level. And I, uh, you know, customers were angry because they weren't getting their drinks, because somebody else had picked them up. Um, And they had a right to be angry, right? Because we were failing customer service. But I just, I just was overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do. So one day, a couple of weeks into working there, Lupita called me to the back room, never a good sign. 
And she asked me why the shift that I was responsible for had left certain tasks undone. Um, she said that I had had a couple of sloppy handoffs um, and she didn't want to see it happen again. Now, I was in a state of shock by this conversation for a couple of reasons. One is I had spent four years in Atlanta with that southern niceness where you never actually say what you mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, well, maybe if you could just think about... So I, had, I, was, I was in culture shock to this Chicago direct communication. Um, and then the other thing is that was a shock for me, uh, it really had to do with shame. I felt shame because I, I knew I wasn't doing a good job, but I didn't want her to tell me about it, you know? <laughs> I didn't want her to call me out about it. Um, I just wanted her to pretend like it was okay. <laughs> and the other thing is I wanted to do better. I wanted to do better, but I didn't have the tools and I was just completely overwhelmed by the system. So after Lupita called me out, she did, then did this thing that I'll never forget. She called me in. She, um, she gave me the tools to change myself and therefore help change this door. She said, Brittany, I see you. You take pride in your work, you care about your team, and you want to set them up for, up for success. You have the skills to run this store, but this store is a mess. She had just started there too. It was, she, you know, she inherited the mess. You and I are gonna work together. We are gonna turn this store around. It's gonna be a lot of hard work, but can't you see how great it will be when we do it? She, had, she won me over, and uh, we, we worked together. Lupita was one of the best managers that I ever, ever worked for. Um, and in that little exchange of calling me out and then calling me in, she helped me to live into the best version of myself as a shift supervisor so that I could be part of this system, this system of a store to make it the best version of itself. I see you, I see you, and I know what you are doing now and what you could be doing. This is what Lupita said to me, and this is also essentially the message that Jesus is saying to these seven churches over and over again in our scripture passage today. Church, I see you, I see you with fullness and clarity. I see your gifts, I know who you are, and I am calling you back to your highest, holest sense of self. I know that you can emerge victorious, Victorious, by the way, is the word, uh, Greek word Nikon, like Nike, yeah? I know you can emerge victorious out of this difficult place that you are in because I know you. Jesus calls these churches, he, he reverses it. He calls the churches in and says, I see you. And then he calls them out and says, and you can live into these values. Right? He calls them in, and then he calls them out. This is who Jesus is. He sees us. He knows us. He knows the good, the bad, and all the stuff in between that we'd rather not talk about. Right? 
Jesus knows us and he loves us and he calls us to something greater than the muck that we are currently living in that we feel trapped by. Jesus calls us in by seeing us and then he calls us out into something greater. Now I believe Jesus does this for us individually as people and we in America like to think that individualism is where it's all at. Jesus does do this for us individually. But in this scripture passage today and in this sermon series this month that we're talking about, I want you to think about how Jesus is calling us as a church to do this. UVC, I see you. And this is what I'm calling you to. What do you think that is? What do you think that Jesus is calling us to as a church? How might Jesus be calling us back into our original identity of who we are? Back in 2012, which is almost as long as we've been around, back in 2012, we publicly stated a commitment to anti-racism. And in our journey, we have steadily grown in our commitment to anti-racist practices. But also in this journey, we have consistently felt like we're missing something. So much so that in October of last year, 2016, we began a process with an organization called Chicago Regional Organizing for Anti-Racism. It's also called CROAR. You're probably going to hear us talk about that over the next couple of weeks. It's an affiliate of Crossroads. You'll probably hear that too, Crossroads Anti-Racism. We invited them to guide us and a group of lay people from across UVC to conduct what we were calling an in-depth audit on anti-racism, or anti-racism audit. Now, for those of you that are newer to the community, I want to tell you just a brief story of how we got to the place that we decided that we would like to have our organization audited as it relates to anti-racism practices. Two years ago, right around this time, we were in the midst of a national search to find a replacement, to find a, actually not a replacement, to find a site pastor for our Wicker Park site. This site pastor would replace one of our founding lead pastors who was moving to Britain and lives there now. Out of our commitment to anti-racism, we had a priority to find a person of color as the pastor, and we also had a clear process to, to make that happen. We narrowed the field down to five candidates, all of whom were candidates of color, and we um, did inter you know, phone interviews, and two candidates emerged as, as top priority. We did in-person interviews with those two candidates and soon discovered that Pastor B would not be a very good fit for Urban Village Church, but Pastor A would have been perfect for the Wicker Park site and, and who they are, and also for Urban Village Church. We were so excited to offer the position to Pastor A. And when we did, Pastor A turned us down, and we had no plan B. So in our devastation, in our anticipatory grief, we're losing one of our founding pastors, in a push for expediency instead of, um, uh, what's the other word? I don't know, thinking. Um, we did a quick search in the Northern Illinois Conference, that's this geographic region, and we found a highly gifted pastor 
um, whose name is Hannah, and she is a straight white woman. Now, the truth is, there's two truths I want to name out of this. The truth is that Pastor Hannah is an exceptional pastor and a strong asset to UVC. Anybody know Pastor Hannah? Yeah. She's an amazingly gifted pastor. Yes, we can all agree on this. Um, I hope you're not listening to this podcast, Hannah. It might go to your head. <laughs> She's an amazing pastor, and I, am, I feel so fortunate to be able to be one of her colleagues and work with her and be inspired by her. So that is one truth. And the other truth is that in hiring her, we made a misstep in our journey toward embodying our anti-racist values. Now, some people would say that these two truths cannot be held together, right? That um, one is wrong and the other's right. But what I will say is that a sign of spiritual maturity and health, a sign of somebody that's on the process of discipleship, is that we can hold two things that sort of contradict one another as true. Yes? And I also will say that if our country could do that, we would be in a very different place. We have a very spiritually immature country where we say, if I'm right, then this person's wrong. And it happens on both sides, right? And true discipleship is being able to see and listen to both sides and see the truth in both sides. So these are the two truths that we hold on to. I'm done with that soapbox. That that didn't really have to do with my sermon, but I just wanted to say it. So we are blessed to have Pastor Hannah at UVC, and we made a misstep in our anti-racist values. And as a result of that misstep, we heard voices in the community calling us back to who we are. And y'all, as I look back on that time about 18 months ago, uh, maybe 20 months ago, we had an all-community gathering, and we talked about this misstep. I think I heard the voice of Jesus in that meeting. UVC, I see you. I see you, and I know you have a heart for inclusion, but you have wandered from your identity, and I am calling you back. Do you hear the voice of Jesus? So thanks to a handful of generous UVCers, we were able to embark on this audit, this year-long process. Since October of 2016, this audit has worked, I don't even, Chantel, you want to take a stab at how many hours y'all have worked? 593. <laughs> um, and I want to I just uh, call out, call in, name uh, Chantel Hamilton, uh, Luis Carisales, and um, Rebecca Burwell from our site have put in, seriously, y'all, so many hours of, of, of looking at all of our internal processes, talking with people, meeting, reflecting. And so I want to publicly say thank you. And can we give them a round of applause? Yeah. I also know they're tired. Yeah, that was a really strong amen. And if you are interested in helping us continue this process, we are looking for more partners in this. It's, all of us are going to be walking this walk, but we need some folks um, in this community that feel called to be in leadership to help us walk that walk together. Because what's going to happen is out of this audit, there's going to be eight 
eight different recommendations. And those recommendations are going to take work to live into. Um, and so, y'all, if you're interested, Chantel will have a receiving line. Where would you like to stand by the food? Yeah. Um, if you're interested, talk to me, talk to Chantel, talk to Louise, talk to uh, Rebecca. Any of us will be happy to, to think about, like, how can we live more deeply into this? So in a couple of weeks, we're going to have an all-community conversation to go over this audit and to think about how we can live into it at all of UVC and also here at UVC Edgewater. Uh, like the seven churches in Revelation, there are four of us at UVC. We, we have four. Maybe one day we'll have seven. And each of us has different gifts and strengths and passions. And so we need to think about who we are at UVC Edgewater and how we're going to live into this audit. Now, this audit is going to stretch us and inspire us to grow as disciples of Jesus. We're going to feel all sorts of emotions because that's what happens when you get called out. Yes? It can be difficult, but it can also be liberating. It's liberating to sit in truth, is it not? This audit is going to call us not only out, but into community. We're going to be called into this community to struggle together, to question about our own identity and about our neighbor, our, our sister and brother in Christ's identity. It's going to mean that we're going to grow as a community into a fuller version of who God envisions this church to be. So I'm ready. Are you ready? Great. You can't see the audit yet, but it's coming. I think in two weeks, we're going to have an all-community gathering. More information coming soon. Because see, here's the deal, y'all. If we don't apply ourselves to this rigorous and humble and diligent work, we won't get to embody a deeper a sense of our anti-racist practices. We will just continue to make the same missteps that we've made before. It'll be new issues, right? Like it'll be something new that comes up, but it'll be the same underlying issues, right? It'll present itself differently. That's what I'm trying to say. A commitment to this work at its heart is a commitment to God's broader work of helping different people who love God love each other with freedom, with authenticity, and wholeness. People who are in my starting point, what am I talking about? Freedom, authenticity, and wholeness. Come on, there's like a lot of you in starting point. What is that, remember? Grace. Grace, salvation. A lot of times we think about salvation as just being personal. But this work that we're talking about is the salvation of us because we can't be free, authentic, and whole until everyone is free, authentic, and whole. And so that's why we're committed to this work. That's why we have confidence in this work. Jesus is here calling UVC in, seeing, us who we are, seeing and telling us who we are, and calling us out into something bigger. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. Thank you, church. Amen.